You're in the realm of how to release an album in 2023. So let's get going. And uh, before we get started, I have 60 slides and I'm gonna be going through them quick. If you want me to send you all the slides that I'm doing today, just email, open your email right now, email slides at ariestake.com. You can do it on your phone. You can put whatever in the subject, whatever in the body. We got our robots behind the scenes working this out. Just email slides at ariestake.com. All the slides will be in your inbox by the end of this presentation. You can go and review later. You'll have everything. Um, so, got it? Email slides at ariestake.com. Super simple. All right, let's move. Okay, so um, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Ari Herstand. Um, I am, I've been a singer-songwriter touring musician for uh, 15 years, and I've played everywhere from living rooms to arenas, everything in between. Um, I've released a bunch of records, uh, got a bunch of sync placements, I've had you know, songs charting, yada, 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 all the stuff. After a while, um, you know, I was doing this totally independently, uh, no manager, no booking agent, no record label, none of that, just kind of figuring it out all on my own. And after a while, people were like, how are you doing this? How did you book this tour and sell out all the venues? And how did you get that song on a TV show and all this stuff? And for a while, I would get back to everybody. And then word spread. If you have questions about the music business, go ask Ari. And I'm on the road trying to get back to everybody. I was like, man, I, I'm learning all this stuff. I want to share it, but I, like, I, I, I don't have the time to get back to everybody. So I launched a blog called it Ari's Take. This was about 10 years ago and put up everything that I was learning as a working musician at the time. I was like, all right, I just got fucked over by a club owner last night. Let me tell you what happened and how not to get screwed in these kind of situations. And like, oh, I just got taken advantage of by this guy who was acting as pretending to be a manager. Don't work with people like this. Here's what's happening. Everything that I was learning, I would share. And so I kind of just put that up. Um, and then the blog kind of took off because at the time, 10 years ago, there were there was no one really writing about what was happening in the new music business. You know, we'd read all the textbooks, I'd read all the music business books, and at the time it was kind of like, you know, books that were decent written by lawyers about how the music industry used to work. But like, I was seen on the ground, and as I was like interviewing people for the blog and for other things I was writing for, I was learning and realizing that things were working really differently in this new music business than anyone was talking about on any of the trade publications, Billboard, Rolling Stone, Variety, none of them were talking about what was happening in this independent new music business. So people would ask me, like, all right, Ari, I've read all your, your takes, read your things, I need something to connect the dots. What books should I read? I'm like, well, I can't really recommend anyone that are talking about them, so I felt I had to write this book. So I wrote How to Make It in the New Music Business, and then from that, you know, I just started sharing everything that I'm learning. So I also run Ari's Take Academy and have a podcast called the New Music Business Podcast where I just interview people, the movers and shakers in the industry about, um, you know, the new music business and then we talk about it. So you can check out the podcast. All right, so let's kick in. Do you know why Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd's album from 1973 is 43 minutes long? Well, at the, we have a hand, that's rhetorical. Um, we're, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna take questions at the end. Anyway, um, this is great though, I appreciate it. Um, so it's, uh, it's because in 1973, the dominant form that people were consuming music were vinyl records. You can only really fit 22 minutes of music per side on a vinyl record before the quality gets dramatically reduced. Pink Floyd knew this when they made this generation-defining album, Dark Side of the Moon, which is one of the best-selling records of all time. So they put less than 22 minutes of music on each side and they split it up. Now, there have been books written about this album. There have been articles. There have been everyone saying like, oh, this is the stages of life and yada, yada, yada. And like, oh, this, you know, they put this song here and they made this song this length, da, 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 da. The reason it's 43 minutes long is because you couldn't fit more than 43 minutes of music on a vinyl record. So had a vinyl record been able to hold 70 minutes of music, like CDs could, at, in 1973, maybe Dark Side of the Moon would be a dramatically different record. People are always making music for the time and for the medium, the, how fans are gonna consume the music. So let's just remember that. It was, yes, a brilliant artistic album, but it was also 
confined to the medium of the time. So what is an album anymore in the streaming era in 2023? Well, let's look at some of the recent albums that have come out. So SZA's record, SOS, uh, one of the biggest records of the last few months, has 23 songs and is 68 minutes. That doesn't fit on a vinyl record. Uh, F.O. Kane's record, it's only 13 songs, but it's 75 minutes. That won't even fit on a CD. Drake, from a couple years ago, Certified Lover Boy, 21 songs, 86 minutes. That doesn't fit on a CD or a vinyl record or a cassette tape or anything, but it fits perfectly in the streaming era. In the streaming era, what is an album? Like, I think a lot of artists are making albums, 10, 12 songs, you know, 40, 50 minutes, because that's kind of what we grew up on. Our favorite records, our favorite albums are like that. That doesn't really exist anymore. It doesn't have to. You can do, honestly, whatever you want, you know? Harry Styles' record was 32 minutes or something, you know? It's like, and then SZA's uh, is 68. So it's kind of like, there's no real rules anymore in the streaming era. So with that being said, should you release an, al uh, an album, an EP, or a single? And kind of these definitions, honestly, don't really mean anything anymore. Single, EP, album, we kind of designate these terms of like, oh, this is my single, but then you look at the single and there's seven songs on it. It's like, how is that a single? Is that not an EP or an album? I don't really understand, but Spotify calls it a single. So what does that mean? Okay, well, <laughs> um, let's just start with the album. So uh, Bruce Floor, who runs Red Light Management, said, if you're going to make an album, there better be a reason for me to give a shit. So, all right, let's take the album thing. And the album, we can differentiate from EP single, which is over here and doesn't really, the definitions are um, nebulous. What I can say is, don't release an album until you have a statement to make. What's your statement? I am an artist. This is my statement. This is who I am. It's not just a collection of songs. Here's the 10 songs that I wrote in the last month, the last year, last three years, whatever. No, you have a statement to make. That's an album statement. You've released multiple singles and or EPs or whatever we're calling it these days. You've put a bunch of them out. You're like, okay, I tested the waters. I figured it out. My audience is starting to get to know me. All right. And your fans are demanding it. So you have fans, that's number one. And then they're like, all right, like we're ready. We're ready, like you know, you're building up this audience. People are starting to resonate with what you're doing. They get who you are and like, yeah, it's time for the album. You'll know, you'll know when you're ready for that, that album if this is your debut album or if it's your second, third, fourth album and you're like, you know what? I kind of missed with my first couple albums. I didn't really know what I was doing but now I'm ready, I have a statement to make, I know what I want, I have that dark side of the moon statement that I want to make, then you're ready. Okay, so to clarify what we're not gonna talk about today, and if you have to get up and dip because you thought this was gonna be a completely different conversation, we're not talking about the songwriting, the, produce, the production, the mixing, the mastering, the creative aspect of it. I just had a two hour conversation on the New Music Business Podcast with Theo Katzman of Wolfpack, if you want to listen to that podcast, we talk all about recording process, production, songwriting, the whole nine yards. We're going to start today with the baseline of your music is great. You have a, all your songs mastered. Everything is set to go. Now, let's go. Okay, raise your hand if you know what the waterfall release method is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, we have like eight people who know what the waterfall release method is. There's a lot of people here. So let's talk about what the waterfall release method is. And there's actually, for those of you, for those eight that know what it is, there's actually three versions of the waterfall release method, and we're gonna talk about those. So maybe for those that know it, let's dig into the nuances of the waterfall release method. So what is the waterfall release method? Well, it's essentially you release a single, call it a single, every four to six weeks. You know, some do it two weeks, some do it eight weeks, whatever. You just roll out these singles. But here is what Waterfall means and why it's a little bit different. So I'm gonna use Wet Leg as an example of how they did it. So how Wet Leg did it is um, they released their first single, Shay's Lounge. And as you can see, the left side there, um, this is the Spotify screenshots. Single number one has one song on it, Shay's Lounge. But now, 
About a month later, they released single number two called Wet Dream. But look at single number two. Look at track two of single number two. It's Shay's Lounge. Wait, but didn't they already release that a month ago? Yes, they did. It's the exact same recording on single number two. They just distributed single number two as like a two-song album or EP or whatever you want to call it. However your distributor calls it in the back end, it doesn't matter. It's just, I'm releasing two songs right now. I'm going to call it Wet Dream. So this is my two-song album called Wet Dream. But it's really, track number one is my new single called Wet Dream. How many times can I say Wet Dream this speech? Never thought I would do that in a speech. <laughs> and, um, and then track two is Shay's Lounge. All right, a month later, they released, actually, two singles at once. Okay, cool. They called it Too Late and Oh No. That's the title of their four-song album at that time. And uh, really, what is it? Well, track one is Too Late now. Track two is Oh No. Uh, track three is Wet Dream, which they released a month ago. And track four is Shay's Lounge, which they had already released. Okay, moving on. Guess what? A month later, they released their sixth single, Angelica. Take a look. Track number one is Angelica. Track two is, oh, but check it out. They switched the order. You can do that. That's totally up to you. Shay's Lounge is like track two now, but they did release that four months prior. Wet Dream is track three, and they, oh, too late now, and oh, no, are the, the last ones. Then, Your Mom. Next single, that's six songs there, and they did Your Mom is one number one. Shay's Lounge is number two. It's starting to gain traction. We're going to put that as track two. Angelica, Wet Dream, you can see. And then the album, self-titled, Wet Leg. That's the official album cover that you may have seen everywhere. And as you can see, they had different single covers for each release. And the album has 12 songs. And that's the album. And all those songs are on the album. Let me clarify, identical recordings. It's not like they had alternate versions or remixes or it's acoustic version. All identical recordings. We're going to get to how they sync up in a second. OK, so that's one version of it. Now let's talk, oh, and the, the identical recordings, as you can see, how you know that on the Your Mom release, check out Shay's Lounge, 45 million streams. Check out the Shay's Lounge version on Wetleg, on the official album version, 45 million streams. If you do this correctly, they will sync up. How do you do it correctly? You have to use the same ISRC code for the same song. We're going to get to what the ISRC code is and how to find it in the back end of your distributor in a minute if you don't know what that is. But it's a very simple process to do. It's not like they had a label pulling the strings and they have special deals built with Spotify or whatever in the back end. Literally everybody here can do this. OK. So that was um, the varying single covers waterfall release method. This next version, using the, only the album cover, um, it's basically the same thing, except you don't have to pick a different single cover for each one. So this is the artist Annabelle Lee, and she did this. Similar method with um, her first single. You can see the second single was up, and then Alas, I'm a Lady was single number one. Then it was single number three, Patti Smith, and you put them in order. Then we have Salting Cracker Girl, Los Angeles, and you see the order was switched up a little bit. But as you can see, and then Mother's Hammer is the full album, and it's the same album cover. She chose to do the same version every time. You can do that. Some artists are doing that. If you're like, you know what, I don't want different versions, different album covers for each, to have to pick a different single cover. Because what some people do, and we're going to get to this in the next version, is some people don't want their discography all cluttered up with all these various singles with different versions. And like, oh, you have 70 EPs out in one album. What is this? No. You can just take down the previous releases. So Annabelle Lee took down all these previous releases. And if you go on our page now, the only thing up there is going to be Mother's Hammer. And, but if you're following the journey, you're like, oh, it's been these So you can always take down the previous ones, and it's not going to mess anything up. Your playlist inclusion is going to maintain. Your stream count will maintain because you've used the same ISRC code. All right, let's keep moving. I'm, I'm seeing the nodding. I'm, I'm not seeing like deer in the headlights, like what? I, I, you're speaking a different language. We'll have time for questions at the end, but I'm going to keep powering through. All right, now the third version of the waterfall release method is building the album. Okay? So this is what Boy Genius is doing right now. So Boy Genius is a super group between Phoebe Bridgers and Lucy Dacus and Julian Baker. 
They were just on the cover of Rolling Stone. And what they're doing, if you go onto their profile right now, so Spotify's on the left, Apple Music's on the right. As you can see on Apple Music, they've already released uh, the pre-order for their new album. And the pre-order, uh, what does that mean anymore? In the streaming era, the pre-stream, the whatever. You can just see the songs that are going to be on the new album that will slowly become available. Now on Spotify right now, they're just calling it The Record. Well, actually, that's the name of the new album. The new album is called The Record. So on Apple Music, there's The Record. With the songs that have not been released yet, they're grayed out, you can't play them. The songs that are, you can play are right there. But they didn't just drop these four on one day. They dropped actually three on one day. And then they dropped another single, which they made it available on Apple Music. Then they redistributed the album as called The Record. It now has four songs instead of three songs. And then they quickly took down the three song album. And so now it's up there. So like, but what it makes it seem like is the album just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And you're like, and so if you're, if you're a Spotify user and you're seeing this on Spotify, you're like, oh wow, they just like keep building the album. This is really cool. Like you're, you know, and artists have done this. But on Apple Music, they just slowly start to become available as you can kind of see how they do this. And then they just call it the record. So there's no alternate single covers, album covers. And there's also no alternate single names of these releases. It's just the record. And that's, that's just the name that they're calling it. OK. Yes, like I said, you take down the previous releases as soon as they're up and merged. So mechanically, how we're doing this is once you put up the second single or your album or whatever, and you've seen that the previous singles, the songs rather, have merged, the stream counts are identical, your playlists have maintained, then you take down. So that's the second step, not the first step. You got to put it up first, merge, then take it down. All right, so the ISRC code, raise your hand if you've never heard of the ISRC code, ISRC term. Great. So what ISRC is, is it's just the name, it's the code that every single recording that is released, it's the identifiable code number that's given to every recording that's released. Um, virtually every distributor out there that you'll work with, anyone that you've heard of that you're probably distributing music with now, they will automatically assign you ISRC codes. Most of them will do it for free. Some of them charge for it. But honestly, I think it's only one distributor that charges for it. I think pretty much everyone else gives you a free ISRC code. They just assign it. It's totally free. Um, and, but here's the thing. When you release single number two, don't let them assign you an ISRC code for, for track two on single number two. You know, remember like track two when we already released it? So if you have, like if Wetleg had released Shay's Lounge and they had distributed that second single and they put on Shay's Lounge and they let their distributor assign an ISRC code for Shay's Lounge on single number two in that second release, they would not be merged. It wouldn't be 45 million streams each. It would be this one has 30 million streams, this one has 10 million streams and then they're on different playlists and then they can't take it down and then it's like the same recording and the systems are all wonky and confused. So what you have to do, the most important step, is go in the back end of your distributor. So these are three different distributors, the most like very popular ones. If you use DistroKid, if you use TuneCore, whatever, CD Baby. You just go in on the, the song that you've released and just in the back end, just look for the word ISRC. It's, you'll, it's not hard to find. It's there. You're going to copy that number and you're going to paste it when it says, what's your ISRC code for this song you're releasing? And if you've already released that song, you're like, this is it. If you haven't released the song, you're like, please assign it for me. And they're like, okay, cool. Make sense? Yeah? All right. Why do the waterfall release method? Why are we doing this? Why, is, why, is like, why are so many artists doing this these days? Well, it gives you something new to promote every few weeks. So if you just drop an album tomorrow that, you know, like Beyonce does or whatever, like she can do that because she's Beyonce, but y'all, sorry to break it to you, are not Beyonce. <laughs> so this is a... <laughs> As indie artists, or as virtually any other artist in the world, Lizzo did the waterfall release method, and she's fucking Lizzo. Everyone's doing this right now, okay? Um, you know, it gives you something new. If you release an album tomorrow, people are in a month from now are gonna be like, hey, what do you got that's new? And you're like, my album. They're like, 
Yeah, no, no, I already listened to it. That was, that was last month. What do you have that's new? Like, are you kidding me? I spent the last three years of my life working on this album. My album is new. Like, go listen to the album again. Come on, you know? No, but that's, this is the era we're in right now. You need something new to talk about every month. So every release is something new to talk about, whether it's a single, whether it's an album, whether it's a show, a tour, whatever. What's new? It sucks that like people are only responding to, this is new, check it out, they wanna be new. So what's new? The reason you do the Waterfall Release Method, you start rolling out these songs on the album is every month you can do a whole press campaign around that single. You can promote it everywhere. You can do creative single campaigns, a bunch of videos. You can work your TikTok angle and do 50 different videos with that single to try to you know, work the algorithm, find something that connects and pops, and it's just like more shots on goal. So every time you release a single, you get to test out new marketing methods. Really important, really helpful. You're gonna train that algorithm. So on Spotify, this is really like a Spotify thing. Like they are started, they've like dictated these terms now. Now, you know, a few years ago, Daniel Ek, the CEO of Spotify, made all the headlines and all the news and, and kind of um, huge backlash from the artist community saying, you know, you can't just release an album every three years anymore. You gotta be releasing music regularly. And everyone's like, fuck you, tech CEO telling me how to do my art. That was the whole, I don't know if you remember this, but everyone was like, Grr. I was like, yeah, okay, I get both sides. Like, one, let me just clarify, and I don't know Daniel, I don't care about him. Uh, he was not telling you how to make your art. So like, people are like quick to anger with everything right now, which is like, chill out first. <laughs> um, he wasn't saying, this is how you have to make your art. He was saying, if you wanna succeed on Spotify, this is the Spotify game. This is how our algorithm works, if you care, you can do this. If you don't care, then don't do it. Literally, don't let anyone tell you how to make your art. If you wanna make your art, if you wanna just be an artist that makes an album every three years, cool, do it. Oh well, you can still roll out those singles over the span of a year or something like that. And if you don't wanna do the waterfall release method, you're like, you know what? I just wanna throw out my album tomorrow. Cool, literally do whatever you want. But. If you want to play the Spotify game and you want to work that algorithm, they've given you the game plan. So like, you can either follow it or you can like pull up your pitchforks and say, don't tell me how to make my art. That's your choice. But I'm just telling you, like, if you want to play the Spotify game, this is what the algorithm responds well to. So as the songs keep coming out and it keeps training them, you're going to keep popping on release radar. Every time it's a new release, you're gonna hit those algorithms, you're gonna discover weekly, you're gonna get these algorithmic playlists that are populating, you're gonna get on more user playlists. Like people, this is just how it works behind the scenes at Spotify, if you care. And then it gives you more opportunities to pitch playlist editors. So if you don't know, and we're gonna get into this in a little bit, um, Spotify, uh, you can actually pitch the official playlist editors at Spotify. Every single person in here can pitch them directly. You don't need their personal emails. How it works is in the back end of Spotify for artists, you just go in and as soon as you've queued up that new single, you can click, you can fill out a little form and it pitches them. That works, sometimes you'll get on editorial, sometimes not, but you'll always get on the release radar. So that release radar is just however many followers you have on Spotify. As soon as that new single comes out, if you have 5,000 followers, you just got on 5,000 people's playlists instantly the day, the Friday it comes out because you're on every one of those followers release radars if you pitch. So you can kind of pitch these, uh, the, the Spotify in the back end. Okay, so we're gonna move on from the waterfall release method. We can talk, you can ask me questions about it at the end if you'd like. We're gonna talk the album release timeline. All right. Here's where, if you're taking notes, you can take those furious notes, but also you can email slides at restake.com and I will send you every single one of these slides. If you came in late, at the bottom of every single slide is the email address. <laughs> you can email slides at restake.com and you're gonna get every single one of these slides in your inbox. Let's go. All right, six to nine months before the album drops, if you're doing vinyl, shit, sorry to break it to you, time to order the vinyl. That's how long, that's how behind vinyl pressing plants are these days, six to nine months. So if you're doing vinyl, this is the time to think about it. So of course, oh, and also, if you don't have the money, 
to order, you know, two, three hundred vinyl records up front, which will cost you like three thousand dollars or something like that, um, and then you have all these boxes of inventory. You can run a crowdfunding vinyl campaign. This is specific to this uh, one of the companies called Crates, Q-R-A-T-E-S, and it's similar to how Kickstarter works, where you can just um, basically put up saying, "This is my new album." If 100 people pre-order it, then everybody gets their records, and you get paid, and then you kind of split that, you know. So that they and they handle printing and fulfillment. They ship it directly, so you don't have to go to the post office and do it. But if only like 30 people buy it, everybody gets their money back. They don't print any records. It's kind of like how Kickstarter works. So you can consider doing that if you want. You're going to make less money on each record sold because by the nature of just how it's run and and they're doing fulfillment and all that. But I'll pay a little bit more money so I don't have to go to the post office every other day. Of course, you need to create the artwork. Now, don't throw anything at me, but you can consider trying out AI-generated artwork. <laughs> I've tested it out. I was very skeptical, but my god, is it good. Scarily good. <laughs> so you don't got a money for a designer. Sorry for all the designers in the room. Shit worked real well. <laughs> okay. I'm not here talking to designers. I'm here talking to artists and managers. That's what I care about. Sorry, graphic design artists. I know the AI is coming for our jobs next, and then we can do, they can be you know, coming after me next anyway. All right, so um, if you're not doing vinyl, now we're going to start to think about five months before, get those liner notes and the credits together. Of course, if you are doing vinyl, you should put those in the vinyl packaging as well. You're going to want to get new promo photos taken. Get those release show holds. In your hometown, this is a huge celebration for your album. Make it a giant event. Release show holds at the venues around town. That's like They're booking far, far out. Depending on the size of the venue, you want to do this at least five months in advance. Pick the lead singles. So if you're doing the waterfall release method, what are those singles going to be? Pick your distribution company. I have some of the more popular ones listed right there. And if you want a comparison, on 17 of the most popular digital distribution companies out there. I keep an updated review at ariestake.com on AWOL, DistroKid, CD Baby, TuneCore, Muse, 1RPM, Symphonic, a bunch of them. I review all of them. There's like a 50-point spreadsheet of the different things, like how much they cost, commission they take, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Five months before the album, if you're doing the waterfall release method, and, and this example is if you're doing four singles in advance and then the album, you're going to queue up that first single. You're going to create the fan link. Some people call it the smart link. Some people call it the pivot link. Whatever you call it, you're going to create it. You can use Artist Hub, Feature FM, Show.co, Linkfire, Tone Den, whatever you do. Sometimes your distributor will make this for you. Um, it's what it looks like. It's just that thing where it's like choose a service that you want to listen. We've all seen them. So you can create this as soon as you queue up the first single. Now you also need to create the videos for that single. There's all different kinds of videos that you're making these days. And as we know, you know, I'm not just talking about like TikTok or Reels or whatever, which you should be making regularly anyways. We're also talking about Canvas, which is the visualizer on Spotify that when you play the song, it happens there. But I'm also talking about clips. I don't know if you saw Spotify's announcement from last week. I'm going to get into a bunch of the stuff that they talked about last week. Clips is something new. Spotify just announced is their 30-second clips of you talking to the camera, or you can queue up an interview that you just did or whatever. It will live in your album now. This is a very new thing that Spotify is doing. It will live in your album. It will live on your countdown page for your new album, which we're going to get into in just a second. Um, and it lives there. It's, you know, Spotify is trying to kind of compete with TikTok these days. So they get more visual content going. If you've opened your feed and you're like, what is this scroll thing happening? That's what they're doing. Now, these clips will live there forever. They're not disappearing or whatever. So it's, it's more thinking about like, what's the story behind the album that I want to tell? What's the story behind the single? You can do the clip. Um, and then other videos, you know, music videos, lyric videos, visualizers, all that kind of stuff. You can put that up. Um, create the Spotify countdown page. Some of you have access to this right now. Some of you don't. It will, it's being rolled out to artists every day now. So you may get this. But the Spotify countdown page looks like this. So this is Ed Sheeran's. Uh, his is the one that they, they use as an example. And what it looks like, this is just a, the mobile view if you kind of scroll. At the top, it's like, all right, 53 days till the album. You can pre-save it. Guess what? 
Spotify now has built-in pre-save link. No more needing to say like, hey, pre-save my album through this glitchy thing on Instagram where they have to sign into Spotify seven different times. You're like, wait, how does it, what's my login here? I gotta sign in through Facebook, what? Like, my God, what a headache. So now <laughs> you can just save it, you can just like, hey, go to my countdown page on Spotify and pre-save it there and then boom, it's right, it's just so much more streamlined. This was from everybody pressuring Spotify saying like, why haven't you figured this out yet? They figured it out. So now you can do that. You got the track listing preview there, kind of like Apple Music has been doing for a while. And then the clips, like I was talking about, is at the bottom of that countdown page there. All right, cue up the ads. Uh, if you have a budget for digital marketing, for marketing for your single or your album, I encourage you to invest that into social media ads. You only need to spend about $10 a day or so, and it's, we're talking you know, Instagram ads, the Facebook business ads manager, meta ads manager, whatever you call it these days. Um, it's really important, this is one of the best ways other than TikTok to kind of find your audience that's out there. Yes, you have to spend money on it. TikTok, of course, is free. That's like buying a lottery ticket, that's more shots on goal. It's very different methods. If you have a budget and less time, you can put it into ads. If you don't have a budget and more time, work your TikTok game. <laughs> and then, um, then you can hit a press if you want. Now, let me be very clear here. Press does not move the needle like it did 10, 15 years ago. So I do not encourage, and I'm sorry if there are any publicists sitting in the room today, <laughs> I do not encourage you to hire a publicist if you're an emerging artist, if you don't have a story to, to tell, if you, don't, if you can't afford it. Now, here's the thing. Publicists um, can be extremely helpful if you're at this mid-level, if you're trying to get the word out, if you've been nominated for any award and you want to get that out, if any artists have said cool stuff about you. Like, here's the point of press right now. Whether you go through a publicist, whether you go through Submit Hub, whether you're doing direct outreach, whatever. The point of press is to populate Google. So when someone Googles you, they're like, oh, cool, there's a bunch of articles. Let me read about who this artist is. It's also to, um, it's also uh, something for you to promote and to tell. It looks really cool if you post on your Instagram or your TikTok or you know, your socials, whatever. Like, Hey, look, Wonderland wrote about me. They wrote this really cool review. Like, that's awesome. That people will pay attention to that. So that, that can be helpful. What it's not going to do, like it did 10, 15 years ago, it's not going to translate into new fans, and it's not going to translate into more streams. So just, like, be super clear about this. I don't care if you get, like, on the bit, like, if Rolling Stone writes an incredible album, five-star album review about you, it's really not going to move the needle anymore. This is not 2012, you know? If Consequence of Sound or even Pitchfork, maybe Pitchfork might be one of the remaining ones, but even that, it's like it's, it's not generating hundreds of thousands of streams the next day like it used to 10 years ago, okay? So just like remember that going into it. If you wanna learn more about SubmitHub, um, if you don't know about this, uh, I'm of two minds. I love them some days and I hate them other days. Um, I interviewed the founder of Submit Hub on the podcast. You can listen to our conversation. It gets very contentious. I hold his feet to the fire. I'm not here promoting Submit Hub, but I'm also not here trashing them either. So there's a time and place for everything. And if you, know, if you don't know what that is, Submit Hub, it's just one of the easy ways you can essentially pay bloggers, usually kind of small tier bloggers, uh, a couple of bucks to listen to your new single. If they like it, they'll write about it on their blog. If they don't, they won't. So you're technically not paying for placement but you're just like, here's $3 where you listen to it and they might write about it. It's usually the small tier blogs, but like if it's to populate Google, if it's to help your SEO for your website because they link back to your website every time, like it can help a little bit. It can, you know, it's all part of the story. It's not like, this is not the silver bullet, but press still has a part of the conversation. You just have to know, keep your expectations managed. And if you want to know the state of the music journalism, I interviewed Shirley Halperin, who's the, um, she's the senior music editor for Variety, kind of at that, that level. So SubmitHub is kind of like these smaller tier bloggers. And then Shirley Halperin uh, is the music editor for Variety. I interviewed her on the podcast, um, and we can talk about there. Okay. And then, of course, five months four, as soon as that single has been released, um, you're going to pitch the Spotify playlist editors like we talked about in the back end, but this is what it looks like. So you log into Spotify for Artists. 
If you have not created your Spotify for Artists profile yet and register that, this is what you should be doing tonight. Just artist.spotify.com, and then you can pitch it. Four months before, the first single gets released. Guess what? That's when you start those ads. Oh, register your lyrics with Music's Match. So if you're wondering how, do you, how those lyrics show up on Spotify or even on Instagram sometimes, Music's Match, they kind of hold the key to getting your lyrics on Spotify. Um, yes, your distributor should ask you for your lyrics. And yes, you should make sure when you distribute your single that you put your lyrics and you distribute them with your distributor because they will go to Apple, they'll go to Instagram, they'll go every, a bunch of other places. But if your lyrics are not showing up on Spotify, that's music's match. It's free. Everybody can do it. You can register there. Um, you can release a music video if you have a music video for the first single. So like what I like to do is release a single, and then a few weeks later, before the next single comes out, release the music video. So you have something new, not four to six weeks later to talk about, three weeks later to talk about, or two weeks, or whatever. Obviously, music videos are time intensive. They're expensive. They're whatever. I'm not expecting you to release a high-quality production music video every time you release a single. That's not realistic for any indie artist, or any artist, frankly. OK, and now, first single's released. Boom, you queue up the next single. And then, of course, you create the new fan link. You pitch the play Spotify playlist editors. You create more video content. This is just constantly ongoing. This is a time of about four months before you can launch the new website. So. Really think about like, all right, new album, new me, new artist statement. This is what I'm talking about. How many of you use Bandcamp? All right, about a third of you. Uh, how many of you here are independent artists or represent independent artists? All right, about 85% of you. Everyone in here that's an independent artist, there's no reason you should not be using Bandcamp. So like use Bandcamp is what I'm saying. Um, if you don't know what Bandcamp is, it's the most popular independent music store out there, essentially. Um, they have curation, they have bloggers. Basically, why I'm saying you should use it is because um, your fans, you basically can say, hey, get my new record, name your price, and your fans will just pay you. Like, they'll just give you a bunch of money. You need more mechanisms for your fans to give you money, or your aunt, or uncle, or whatever, your cousin. Just like. Give them a mechanism to give you money. And this is one of the mechanisms for them to give you money. And you're just like, hey, here's my new single. Pay what you want. And they're like, cool. Like, yes, you get a download. Nobody downloads and whatever. And like, you know. But you can also release exclusive content on Bandcamp now. You can be like, hey, here are the acoustic versions. Pay what you want. They're only on Bandcamp. I'm not putting this anywhere else. Like, oh, OK, cool. You know, I'm asking $5 minimum. But honestly, pay what you want. 85% of that money goes to me. That's real different from Spotify or Apple Music where a couple other pennies are going to go to you, maybe. So like, yeah, the music industry doesn't talk a lot about Bandcamp because the major labels aren't allowed on Bandcamp and because it's not in those macro numbers. But like, honestly, this is a way you can make some money. So get your shit up on Bandcamp. All right. Um, you can also, once your first single is released, is hit up user-generated playlist editors. But I want to caution and be extremely careful about this. Never pay anybody to include your song in their playlist. Raise your hand if someone has DM'd you saying, I'll put your song in my playlist for some money. Too many people in here have gotten that DM. Me too. Don't do it, OK? Never pay anybody to put your song in their playlist. Why? Well, one, it's against Spotify's terms. And they will um, either take that playlist down, or more likely is that playlist is botted, meaning there's a lot of bot listeners to that playlist. There's not humans listening to that playlist or humans following it. And if Spotify notices that most of your streams are coming from bots, because they can detect this, they're going to rip your album down. Don't do it. Like, as tempting as you see, we see the ads every day. We're scrolling through the Playlist booker or playlist jet, whatever. I don't even know what these companies are called anymore. But it's just like, if anyone's like, hey, you can pay 40 bucks and I'm going to pitch you to 3,000 playlists and we're going to da, da, da. Don't do it. Like, just, it's so tempting. And there's all these testimonials about people saying like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, we got it, you know, da, 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 da. No, guess what? They didn't tell you. 
Two weeks later, their album got ripped down. But guess what? That playlisting company got to keep that testimonial up. Because yeah, you're going to get tens of thousands of streams, but they're going to be from Indonesian bots. And then you're like, wait, why is my number one country in Indonesia? Maybe you have a bunch of fans in Indonesia. Very possible. Then go tour there. But like, <laughs> or more likely, it's because they're all bots. And now you're like, whoa, why is my number one country? And then Spotify's like, why is their number one country Indonesia? And no other signals are like, they have people, fans in Indonesia. And you're like, oh shit, boom, your album's down. And all that hard work is down the drain. Don't pay anybody for this. But what you can do, this is my user-generated playlist. I made low-volume funk. I'm a big funk head. I have 56,000 followers to this playlist. I didn't pay any bots. There's no bots. I promoted this playlist in some funk-loving Facebook groups years ago. I've run some ads to this to find editors. I don't charge for it. I refuse to take any money. People have said, can I pay you to get on this playlist? I'm like, no, and please don't pay anybody else for that. This is a bad tactic, and this is my moment to educate people in the DM inbox. But anyway. <laughs> If you make funk, DM me or email me your song, and if I like it, I'll put it in the playlist. There are people out there still doing that. That is the only legal way to do it, and this is a very popular playlist, not just in follower count, but if you look at some of the artists that are on this and you look at their top playlists, some of their top playlists are low is low-volume funk. It does move the needle, and guess what? You want the genre-defining playlists. You want the playlists that are like within your genre, like, I've experimented with some of those playlist plugging services like Playlist Push or whatever. And because I use my stuff as a guinea pig, I like test out a lot of these services with my music. And a few years ago, I ran a campaign with Playlist Push for my funk project. And instantly, within like a few days, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're getting tens of thousands of streams. This is amazing. And then I looked at the playlist that we got included on, and it was like 90s boy bands. And I'm like, we're, we're a 70s funk soul outfit. This couldn't be further away from 90s boy. And then it's like Pink and Avril Lavigne. And I'm like, this is also, and I was looking at all the playlists we got included. I'm like, what the fuck? This, this, and I like messaged the playlist push seat. And I'm like, yo, please take me off this immediately. And like you did. And like, you know, maybe their platform isn't right for funk. Okay, I learned that the hard way. But guess what was worse? Was our fans also like, Change from all these hot funk artists to every band somehow, the name was in Japanese of the band name, and I didn't know any of these bands, and I started listening to them, and they were all like indie rock bands from J Japan. I'm like, how does this have anything to do with our music? And it, so it fucked up our fans also like, it fucked up our algorithm, it literally ruined everything. So be very careful about getting on user-generated playlists. All right, so I'm just gonna power through these and you can get these slides again if you email slides at ariestake.com. But three months before, it's the same thing. Now we're in the method. You release the next single, you queue up the ads, et cetera, et cetera. You tweak those social media ads. Two months before, same shit. Now the third song's out. The same stuff that we've been doing, registering your lyrics, all of that stuff. All right, one to two weeks before, you're gonna send out those email and social blasts about the album. Now you should be sending out an SM, uh, social or an email blast rather, or a text message blast every time a single comes out. But now this is getting people excited for the album. Raise your hand if you have a text message list right now. Okay, there's three, four people in here that have a text message list. You should get on this. This is like, it's so easy to do. Um, you know, if you're at a show and you're like, hey, everybody pull out your phone and text this number and, and my name to this number, now you got everyone in this venue. Now if I you know, did this, I'm asking you to email me. Guess what, I get all your email addresses so now I can like, tell you about all the new stuff that I have going on. This is a thing, you know? And it's like, this is what you wanna do with your shows. Get their phone numbers. The email open rate is only 23%. The text message open rate is like 98%. So like, think about building a text message list. But email list is also super important too. Get your merch store up and running. There's now a lot of plug and play, print on demand merch stores out there. Uh, if you use Banzoogle as a website builder, they've linked with Printful and they'll do print on demand, meaning you don't have to buy a bunch of t-shirts and store them in your closet and go to the post office. Literally somebody buys a t-shirt and they will print it and ship it to your fan. And you make money. No sweat off your back. You don't have to invest any money that way. Another way for fans to pay you. 
plan out the release week social posts. Release week's gonna be insane, so plan this out in advance. The day before the album drops, queue up those email blasts and text message blasts. Not sending it yet, just, just plan. We're planning right now, they're in the planning stage. You're gonna triple check all your links. You're gonna launch that merch store that you just spent the last week setting up, and you're gonna announce it. You're gonna go dark on your socials. So clear out your social feed, meaning don't post any stories, don't post any of the stuff, like just get ready. Release that Bandcamp album. I like rewarding my Bandcamp followers and fans, give them the album a day early, let them listen to it, stream it, they're gonna pay you for it. Release day. Now you're making all those social posts, we know all that too well. Celebrate, go out, have a drink. <laughs> Interact with your fans. Most of the day, you're probably just going to be celebrating and thanking them and doing all the stuff. All right, the week after your album comes out, what are you doing? You're going to hit up those user-generated playlist editors. If you want, directly, without paying anybody to do this for you, without paying them, if you make funk, shoot me a DM. If I like it, I'll put it on the playlist. You're going to keep tweaking those social media ads. If anybody knows anything about how digital advertising works, this is like a daily practice. You should be tweaking and finagling. It takes a lot to learn this stuff, but if you can master it, it can be very powerful. You're gonna be releasing new videos, and then every day after the release, you're working that video content, you're tweaking those ads, you're doing some creative marketing campaigns. So if you wanna learn how major labels market artists without TikTok, you can listen to my interview with uh, Alex, uh, on the, from RCA Records, he's a marketing manager from RCA Records on the New Music Business Podcast. We go into it, I don't want anyone here thinking like the whole release strategy has to be TikTok because it doesn't and it shouldn't be. And then I also had the, creative, um, the Create Music Group um, COO on the podcast and he told me his marketing spend. He was like, for our, and Create Music Group for those who don't, don't know, um, they're one of the largest uh, independent distributors out there. Um, they've had number one hits, Hot 100, they're independent. And they said they spend about 50% on, 50% of the marketing budget on ads, like Instagram ads, 35% on content creation, like the creating of the videos and all that stuff, and like 15% on influencer marketing. Now, influencer marketing is like paying social media influencers, like TikTokers. If you don't have like $50,000, just don't worry about influencer marketing, it's a waste of money. So. If you do have $50,000, maybe you can think about it, but honestly, it's only to throw gasoline down a fire that's already been started by you. And this is the episode you can listen to if you wanna hear about that. Okay, remember, it's not about release week. It's not about week one. It's about week 51. It's about week 151. So don't fret if release week you haven't reached those opening week expectations and you're not a superstar. That's just not what happens anymore. We're seeing songs and albums catch years later. You know, We've seen that happen on TikTok. I've talk, I interview people all the time on the podcast who their album from five years prior just caught and now they've like had this huge resurgence or they, now they have a career and they didn't have one before. But it's happening. So, this is just the beginning of your journey. Okay, so I talked about creative marketing campaigns. You wanna think about what is special and unique to you. So for my funk project, we're a band that is based in the year 1973. It's like an immersive theatrical experience, okay? We're like not a real band, but we are. It's all original music, I wrote all the songs. But like all of our shows are fully exp full experiences. People dress up in the 70s, they all show up. We all have a great time, there's sticks happening, there's a play, you know, it's, all, it's a whole thing. So for us, when we announced our first single, we plastered all over Los Angeles with posters that looked like they were from the year 1973. There was no QR code, there was no website, this was just call this number to listen. That's the only information on this poster. If you call this number, it's a hotline. And it's just like, hey, press one to listen to the new hit single together. If you press one, the song starts playing. You can listen to the song over the phone. Press two to listen to the unreleased song that's coming out next week, So Damn In Love. Guess what, you press two, you listen to that song. Press three to get tickets to their upcoming show. What? Press three, boom, you get an instant text message with a link to the ticket to our, opening, to our upcoming show. That's something that was special to us. You don't need to do that. That doesn't make sense for you. Like, you know, but that made sense for us. Um, 
I interviewed Madison McFerrin uh, yesterday, um, just down the street. She's amazing. Um, and as I was prepping for this interview, I was going through her TikTok, and I'm like, you know what? This TikTok she released, uh, she put up, I think, a week or two ago for her new single that just came out. And just watch, this is how she promotes this new single. This is, she put this up the day of. And if we could turn the volume up a bit. What is all forgiving when it's said and done? Could it be we're living all wrong? Taking it for granted to a begging, please don't. Leave me now, I ain't ready, I won't let you down, no, so please don't, leave me now, leave me now. 700,000 views. She doesn't have that big of a following. She's got maybe 20,000 followers on TikTok. That video went, because, and it found all these new fans just because it was like, Guess what? She didn't put the lyrics on the screen. You know, that's like what we're like, oh my God, you always have to put the lyric. She put a little story behind the song on the screen. So now you're hearing her sing it. You're reading like, oh my God, I just died, almost died in a car accident. And then you hear it. So it's like, it's this brain having to work overtime trying to figure out what's happening here while listening to this incredible voice that's like singing so sweetly. It just like worked so well. That's a great way to find a new audience. Do something special and unique to you. Uh, I also interviewed Theo Katzman on the podcast. He just released his new album uh, last week. This is his promo video. Now, let me preface this. <laughs> it's not going to get, uh, don't worry, it's not going where you think it might go. Um, <laughs> so um, he has a pretty big fan base. They're diehards. This is, uh, he's in the band Wolfpack, but this is for his solo album. He studies uh, the, the Winhoff cold plunge method cult? I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> it's, it, people are really into cold plunging, you know, and like going into icy cold water in, in the snow in your underwear, and, and like, this is his thing. Cool. It's like, a lot of people are into this stuff. That's fine. So people know that this is like, he talks about this a lot, and this is like part of what he does. He was actually on a cold plunge Winhof retreat in Poland when his album came out, so he made this promo video for it. That video cost him $1,000. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So um, it, again, if you want this presentation, just email slides at ariestake.com. Uh, I'll also send you a checklist of 26 things to do before you release a song or album because we didn't get into royalty registration today, which is something extremely important if you want to actually collect the money from all this hard work that you've done. So um, I'll send you this guide too. Right after this, I'm doing a book signing at the bookstore just in the convention center. So um, I'm not going to have as much time to chat with you here after this. But if you want to migrate with me down to level three, and uh, we can chat. And, and if you want to grab the new book, I'm going to be there doing a book signing so we can join me. And then tomorrow night, come to our showcase at Half Step on Rainy. Uh, your badge will get you in, and uh, we're running the showcase, and I would love to see you there. We have an incredible lineup. Annabelle Lee, who I talked about earlier and showed you, she's on our stage, um, and some other amazing artists will be there. Uh, cool. Well, thank you so much. Let me, thank you. We have time for a few questions. If you want to just jump on the mic, or yeah, jump, or just, yeah, just yell it out, whatever. Go. What are you doing weeks, like, like months? What, zero for the next 151 weeks. Yeah, so what are you doing uh, for the next 151 weeks? So this is, it's, it's essentially running your music career. So um, it's, there's a lot that you can be doing in promo, and it's, it's honestly going to be specialized and uh, unique to you. So it's basically whatever um, you know, makes you special, those creative marketing campaigns, I just covered three of them, that's what you're really going to want to be thinking about. And running those ads, doing the social media, all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, over here. Um, my name is Dan Navarro. I'm an artist, a uh, long time. I actually used your eight website builders to compare uh, to build my website on Ari's Take. Great. Right, on, on, on Banzoogle. Okay, cool. I picked Banzoogle, but I love the comprehensiveness of it. Thank my you. My question is re with regard to Bandcamp. I use Banzoogle. I push people there. I make more money. What about parallel use of, band, of Bandcamp? 
Yeah, I mean, so I use Bandcamp as an example because it's a very popular uh, independent music store, essentially, and they have a bunch of other features. And the difference between sending people to your Bandzoogle or your website, where you can also, I believe on Bandzoogle, you can name your price and, and do right. downloads there and all that kind of stuff. Bandcamp has a dedicated following. Has its own audience. Has its own audience. So like, I have the Bandcamp app downloaded, and I buy albums, and I then go into the Bandcamp player, and I listen to them, just like I go into Spotify. There's an audience there. You can do both, and you can send people both places. Thanks. Yeah, over here. Hey, Ari, really enjoyed the presentation. Uh, my name is Gabe. I'm here at, uh, from Austin. Um, I just started a new band called West 22nd at UT. My lead singer's over there, Logan. Cool. Uh, and I want to ask you a question about a first release because we're really new and we've been doing a lot live locally in the college scene and we've been growing really fast, but it feels like every, try to, every opportunity we try to take advantage of uh, to get bigger, like we're being restricted by not being on Spotify or not being on streaming yet. So like we're, we're almost very rushed to get on Spotify, but we don't want to rush it and uh, lose all of the important uh, buildup that you're talking about today. So like how do we mediate uh, being kind of in a hurry to get on Spotify and, and streaming immediately without um, like... No, I hear you. Do you have recordings that you're proud of that uh, are mastered? Uh, we, have, we only have demos right now. We're recording in the next two weeks. So Great. Then so we'll once have you have a recording that you're proud of, I mean, honestly, here's what I can say is there's never going to be the perfect time to release a first single, so just start. So the album is different, and I don't know if I clarified this enough, but like, there's a huge difference between the album, which we talked about a lot today, and the single or just a song. Honestly... I would just start rolling out songs on Spotify and everywhere else of recordings you're proud of every month. So if you're going in the studio next, next month and you're recording a, bu you know, a bunch of songs or whatever, release one and then do all the promo around the one and rally people up and you're going to get a little bump. You're going to get like your fans listening to it and they're going to thank you for it because they're going to come to the shows and now they're going to be able to sing along. Cool. Next month you're going to release the next song then the next song, and then you just keep rolling these out. You don't even have to release an album for three more years if you don't want to. Like Madison McFerrin, who I just talked about, she just released, excuse me, she's releasing her debut album in May. She's been releasing singles and EPs for the last 10 years. She has not released an album. She's been a touring artist. She has a half a million monthly listeners on Spotify. She's been releasing music for 10 years, and she's releasing her debut album in May. So think about that. You don't need to rush the process of the album. I mean, we can play that game all day of, okay, she has a famous father of Bobby McFerrin. Yes, but I can also point to 100 other artists with very famous parents that are not successful. She stands on her own accord. Her talent is undeniable. So if she sucked, we wouldn't be here talking about her today. Yes, she has a famous father, but I studied and looked at a lot of the stuff that she's gotten. This, the reason that she, she's not on any official Spotify playlists. So like if, if, if Bobby McFerrin's on the phone calling up Spotify and be like, hey, throw my daughter on your playlist, then it'd be like, oh, okay, that's a different story. But I also wouldn't be talking about her. But he's not. And she's not on official playlists. So that's cool. We can play that game all day, but I don't buy it. So anyway, um, uh, just keep rolling those singles out. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Hi. Um, so I work with in Web3 with like music NFTs and like artists that are all independent. And I'm curious to see, because that, I mean, that takes a lot of work. They do, a lot of the marketing that they do is also educating people because it is such a complicated process. So how do you see artists kind of balancing all of this, like creating all this content and doing these campaigns? And then even like artists that are Web3 that have this added layer of like educating and onboarding people as well. How does, how does that all work? And at the same time, have time to make music and tour and promote? That's a great question. And this is going to be the final question because um, we're, we're out of time. And again, I would love to, I'm going to stay here and talk with you as long as you want to hang out and, and ask questions, but I'm going to do that on level three at room 10C. So I'll hang out as long as you want, and I'll chat with you and answer all of your questions. But to answer your question here on the mic, which uh, will be up, that's a great question. How do us as independent artists handle all of this shit on our own? The answer is you don't. The answer is it's impossible to do all of this on our own. You know, like the, the term DIY gets thrown around a lot. Um, nobody does it by yourself. No one is a DIY artist. That's impossible. Now, you might not have a traditional team of a manager, a booking agent, a label, a, an NFT manager, or whatever, but you need team members, whether that's friends, whether that's your parents, whether that's your siblings, whether that's fans, whether that's a street team. It's going to start with your roommate or your mom 
It's going to start with people that love you, that want to help out. And then it's going to grow to people that believe in you, that want to help out. And then it's going to grow to people that believe they can make money from you, and they want to help out. And that's how the team naturally grows. You can't do this all on your own. The artists that I've seen succeed in the NFT space specifically, they go all in on NFT. They're in the Twitter spaces. They're on Twitter. They're understanding all the nuances, everything about NFTs. They, they know it. And I've talked to a lot of them on the, on the podcast about how they do it. It's not something that they check off on a list. So like, I didn't put NFTs on this because it takes a very specific kind of artist to understand and know how to do that. So yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for sticking with me here. I'll see you all down in 10C if you want to keep chatting. Thank you.